Welcome to the Todd Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Bethay, joined by my good friend and longtime friend, uh, Jonathan Lewis, a.k.a. Dr. J. Jonathan, tell the people what's up. What's up? Dr. J here. So this is about, we decided, this has been 19 years in the making since we met as freshmen on the campus of the University of Georgia. We have been talking about doing our own PTI-style show, uh, I, of course, being Mike Wilbon and Jonathan being Tony Kornheiser. Uh, so I think we've aged a little bit better than those guys. So for us to be able to jump on today and talk some UJ football, which is our topic today, is literally a dream come true, as we've been working towards this for years. So it's good to reconnect with you, uh, Jonathan, and I'm so glad that we're doing this, man. I'm excited. I am too. Glad to be here. Thanks, David. So uh, today we are coming from the Sanford Stadium Studios, and our topic is going to be Georgia Bulldog football. As always, you can follow us on any major podcasting platform, social media. We are on Facebook and Twitter, and our email address is totterunsports at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash totterunsports. So with that said, let's get into it. Uh, UJ is scheduled to start football practice on, I believe it's Monday, isn't it, Jonathan? Is that correct? That's right. It's supposed to be Monday. And so we had debated pushing this back, and with the cancellations that are going around college football, it kind of seemed like the SEC could possibly be one of the ones that would cancel. But with that not coming, we said, you know what, we're going to be ready for the first day of practice. So we're doing our Bulldog preview. This will probably be a longer podcast. So strap up, and uh, here we go. We're going to start with a little recap of the Bulldogs' offense going back to the 2019 season in Jonathan, do you? I don't know how much you know about the Bulldogs' new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken. Do you know anything about his background at Oklahoma State or with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or with Southern Miss, by any chance? I I know a little bit. Um, okay. I, you you may know more. Uh, is I thought most recently with the Cleveland Browns, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't know a whole lot about him, other than he is uh, more spread in philosophy. But mm-hmm. I'll just be honest. I thought that our play calling in scheme under James Coley was a little bit of a step back. Mm. Um, I thought that in previous years that we were not very creative, but we were pretty efficient. And this year I'm just looking at the totals and the stats and just that and just what my the eyeball test showed me. I just, I didn't think, I thought we were so vanilla. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I watched us run inside zone or split zone, one more time, I was going to throw up. My head was going to explode because, like, it was so frustrating. You have DeAndre Swift, who's this dynamic guy that can make people miss in space. And I'm watching the South Carolina game in particular, and we're just running inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, right at Javon Kinlaw, right who at was him. whipping Trey Hill that day. Right at him. We will not do any perimeter run plays. We won't run a jet sweep. We won't run stretch. And I'm just like, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. We're, we're running inside zone, inside zone, and third down, we're going to get in doubles and throw the ball. It was yeah. like – it was just so frustrating as a fan to watch. Well, and, and the really frustrating thing, I mean, as much as throughout the season, you know, Kirby and the other assistants and even the players would try to stick up for Coley, which, yeah. I mean, that, that's the team culture. That's what you yeah, want. It is. As much as they tried to stick up for him, it was so obvious that it really was Coley and the play calling. For one, because the personnel was basically the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we definitely were hurting for the number of really um, difference-making wide receivers last right, year that right. we would like to have. But, I mean, other than that, 
I mean, it was it was a third year starter in in Jake Fromm. I mean, yeah. it, it was DeAndre Swift. It was in just a a ridiculous glut of talent at offensive line. I know I mean, all the talent and playmakers were back, but somehow the offense was way way worse. It was Coley. <laughs> it was Coley all along. Yeah, it, uh, a second round running back, an NFL quarterback, and three NFL offensive linemen. And right, we right. were we were averaging 30.8 points per game, which is 50th in the country. That's our lowest points per game since Kirby's first year in 2016. Um, and when you take out the games against directional schools that we played at the beginning of the year, I think it was Murray State and Arkansas State, you know, the Sisters of the Poor, we averaged 24.8 points per game in SEC play, which is not good. I mean, and in college football, that's an extremely low number. That's fine if you're in the NFL. That's not a good number for college football. Our total offense at 408 yards per game was number 61 in the country also our lowest since 2016. So by any objective or subjective measure, this was not a good UJ offense. And no, no. you had some major departures, obviously Solomon Kinley leaving for the NFL, Isaiah Wilson, Andrew Thomas, obviously Jake Fromm, DeAndre Swift, and then Lawrence Cager, who was a big part of the problem because he was our only receiver other than James Pickens that could either get separation or when Cager couldn't separate, make contested catches, which he was really good at last year. Shout out Lawrence Cager. What, yeah. where, where would we have been with, without you? <laughs> even, even, even with your injuries, man, thank, thank you, Lawrence Cager. And, you know, we don't have to talk about this for a long time on the 2020 preview, but to this day, I don't know what I think about Jake Fromm. I, I can't tell you if I think he's a good quarterback or not. I mean, the first two years compared to the third year, again, I, I think it was Coley, but after last year, with as bad as the offense was, it's hard to tell anymore. And it's it's like, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it that he right, doesn't have receivers right. that can separate, so his accuracy is suffering? Or did he regress? And the truth is always, to some extent, it's a little bit of both. But sure. one of Jake Fromm's struggles, and I put this in my notes about one of the reasons the offense wasn't as good last year, is Jake Fromm was very reluctant to throw the ball across the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. And whether that's by scheme or because of what he's comfortable with, Jake Fromm loves attacking outside the hashes. And he was very reluctant to throw the ball down uh, across the field, throw the ball across the middle of the field. And the play I keep thinking of is South Carolina, fourth down down at the end of that game. uh, We throw the incomplete pass. And if you watch DeAndre Swift on a choice route is running down the middle of the field Mm. with no one within 10 yards from him. If Fromm looks to the middle of the field, he dumps that ball to Swift. Swift backpedals in the end zone. And Fromm looks looks to the outside. And so I do say that Jake Fromm was at least – a small part of the problem with the offense. And he definitely struggled with the accuracy issues that we hadn't seen before. And, you know, again, he struggled with some drops by receivers. I keep thinking of the big drop that we had at the beginning of the LSU game. Yeah. You know, that could have changed that game. But yep. like you said, all in all, it's kind of like you didn't feel like he was that great as a freshman, but he won. Then as a sophomore, you know, you look, thought, oh, he's actually playing pretty well. He's pretty good. And then as a junior, you're like, oh, crap. I <laughs> kid's like, he's like Jekyll and Hyde. I so, mean, the, the, the team got a lot better. And when he when he came in to relieve Eason, I, mm-hmm. I did immediately feel like there was a spark and thought, whoa, maybe maybe this guy is actually a lot better than Jacob Eason is, who who was supposed to be all everything. Yeah. Um. And, and then you know we just went on that two year run with him where and there were times, especially like running the two minute drill or the hurry up, where I was mm-hmm. like, this guy's kind of unstoppable. Like like he knows exactly where he's going and he's so accurate. Uh, and then you just hit that third year and everything changes. Um, uh, best of luck to you, Jake Fromm. <laughs> I hope you do great. But uh, even as a Georgia fan, I, you know, right now today, I, I don't know if I think he's a good quarterback or not. It was so strange. It was such a weird year. And that leads to one of my complaints. And 
before I before I get there, let me backtrack here. Uh, one of the best indicators for success for a team moving into a new season is the percentage of returning production. Mm. Um, Scott, the status assassin, hammers me with this. So UGA is returning about 50% of their total offensive production when you look at yardage and touchdowns. That's 98th nationally. Yeah, That does not bode well for good offense. You look at a team like LSU last year or Bama, you know, two of the best offenses, I think they both returned something like 80% of their offensive production or a number that was over 70%, which any number over 70% basically means you're going to be in elite offense moving forward in the next year. And so UJ returning 15% of their total offensive production is not good. The one caveat being if you get a high-level transfer, it kind of skews those numbers. So if you look at a team like Oklahoma that lost all that production in Kyler Murray, but then they go and get Jalen Hurts. And so it's like, okay. So that, that kind of skews that. But So for UJ getting Jamie Newman, who uh, is an extremely gifted quarterback, will kind of make up for some of that. But uh, it's a little concerning losing, you know, a thousand-yard rusher, your leading receiver. Although you are returning George Pickens, who is by far your most talented receiver and will be a future first-round draft pick. I was going to ask you if we're returning fifty percent of the offensive production, is like forty-eight percent of that George Pickens? Yeah, it's basically <laughs> George Pickens, and then because I don't think Trey Hill got any yards, and yeah. Trey Hill and George Pickens are the exactly. only two it's, people that are back on the offense. So and and when Dominic Blaylock returns, it's him. When too. Dominic Blaylock, yep, yep. And then like the three random long catches that Demetrius Robinson Robertson makes, who has been such a severe disappointment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that dude balled out at Kyle's, Kyle's freshman year. 50 catches and eight, and eight touchdowns. That's real he production. He dominated. He dominated. I know. I know. And he, he's come to UJ and looked absolutely lost. And my thought was not that he was going to be a, not that he was going to be George Pickens, but I thought, can he at least run deep once a game and catch a post route? And we, we haven't even been able to get that out of him. So No, no, we haven't. So uh, obviously, we talked about this a little bit already, but I, I think Jamie Newman is a lock to be the starting quarterback. I don't think JT Daniels has any chance, barring an injury, which you were saying earlier, the Hudson Mason's reporting that Jamie Newman might be nursing an injury. Just saw that yesterday. We're recording this uh, on Saturday the 15th. And um, I think it was yesterday I saw a report that Hudson Mason was reporting from a source, I think, that Jamie Newman has been rehabbing an injury was the word he used. Um I think if it were a big deal, we would have heard about it from somebody besides right. Hudson Mason. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't think there's any concern, especially with even if we play a season. Um, I mean, that it doesn't start, you know, until six weeks from now. I don't think yep. it's a problem at all. But I, I agree with you. It is definitely Newman as long as he's healthy. Um, I don't know if I would say there's no chance that JT Daniels. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. you know, okay. I mean, they, they're probably there will be a competition, I think, in camp, um, if that's even what they're calling it this year, mm -hmm. camp. Uh, but uh, but I agree with you. Jamie Newman is the talent. Jamie Newman is the one they want to be running this offense. Yeah. Uh, it should be Jamie Newman. Yeah, and I, I don't want to undersell a five-star talent in JT Daniel. But sure, like, sure. I just, having watched both of them, I guess my thought is that today, Jamie Newman is a much better college quarterback than JT Daniels today. And so, I agree. ideally, he would be the starter. But – some of the things that have to change from last year, and I've already kind of touched on this, but no diversity in the run game, um, not enough perimeter runs, way too much inside zone. And another of the issues that I had, and I raised this issue during the season last year, was the just vanilla personnel. Mm. We played 14 snaps in the last two years without a tight end on the field. Wow. 14. And I know that 11 personnel, which for our people listening at home is a, one tight end, one back, is the standard right now. People use typically one tight end, one running back, and 
three wide receivers. That's the base personnel in college and pro right now. Yep. But the fact that you don't have enough talent at receiver to go four wide ever is such a problem because you are UGA and you should have competent receivers lined up ready to roll. And the fact that we haven't been able to go four wide the last two years is a big problem because I'm sorry, but Eli Wolf may have run a four or five at the combine, but ain't nobody scared of him going down the scene. Just being honest no, with you. No, definitely and, not. And they darn sure scared of Charlie Warner. No. <laughs> yeah, who um who scored his the first touchdown of his four year career uh against Georgia Tech last year, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um God bless you. We love you, Charlie Warner. We love you. Um it's so funny you say that because uh, like in getting ready for this preview, I was just going through the players and picking on sort of like who I thought were going to be my projected starters. Yeah. And when I got to wide receiver, like I picked three and then I thought to myself, like, should I pick a fourth? And then like mm-hmm. ended up doing it, but thought like I almost didn't because I was like, we don't ever have four receivers. Four receivers. Field. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's hard to even, exactly make an argument that we start three receivers but we never mm-hmm. i ended up did picking a fourth and that's a bit of an x-factor pick we'll talk about him later um but i almost didn't even pick one because i was like we don't run four receivers this is georgia no. like like they, they never run four receivers but todd munkin might run four receivers four receivers get yeah five, get ready for it all right so going through our personnel here uh, we, obviously we have uh jamie newman penciled as a starting quarterback with more than likely jt daniels as the backup assuming he's healthy and if not i think it's probably gonna be stetson bennett again because that dude is small as he is can ball. Um, uh-huh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if he grad transfers and goes and plays at another school because he, he does have some ability. Um, at running back, it's obviously going to be Zamir White. And then what will be interesting is to see whether Kenny McIntosh or James Cook get those second unit carries because McIntosh is obviously more of the typical Georgia running back. But, God, James Cook is just such a weapon. It's interesting to see if James Cook should time. be a weapon. <laughs> but yeah. James Cook has not been a weapon, but he should be a weapon. I I, I agree with you. He does not get on the field nearly enough. He he really doesn't. And I like when I got to running back and I was sort of projecting starters again, Zamir White is obviously the guy that that they want to be the bell cow. Mm-hmm. Um but I, you know, I had trouble when I was like, so who's sort of the who's sort of the running back too? I mean, I, at this point I think it's James Cook. Basically, if you think of this as sort of the NFL model where mm-hmm. you have a first and second down back and you have a third down back, if if that's the way we were running things, and it may be, Todd Munkin is all new and he's coming from the NFL, we'll see. I think that it would just almost be prototypical that Zamir White is sort of your first and second down back and James Cook is yeah. your third down back. Like that's, yeah. that's how it could go if they're creative enough. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think you're probably looking at Kenny McIntosh, um, you know, un- unless Kendall Milton really comes in ready. And he's the X factor because Kendall Milton is – uh, you know, I was talking to Scott about this, and he said he's basically Najee Harris light. I mean, that's that's the comparison. He's a big physical SEC running back. And what will be interesting also to throw a wrinkle into this is do they play more 21 personnel with two backs and one tight end? Because in doing a little a little background, I'm looking at the uh, some breakdowns from UGASports.com. They said that um, in the last year at Southern Miss that Todd Munkin was the OC, he played 21 personnel – with Edo Smith, who is one of my favorite players for the Falcons, 47% of the time in 2015. Wow. So if he's going to use that much 21 personnel or anything anywhere close to that here, it could be a way to make up for having that lack of receiver depth to have a weapon like James Cook running routes out of the slot or out of the backfield. So 
that's just another thought about how you might be able to get that extra weapon on the field is 21 personnel with Cook and Demir White on the field. And Demir White is not a bad receiver himself. Um, he's he's not nearly as polished in his route running as a Swift or a Cook, but he does have decent hands, at least from what you can tell from the high school film that I've seen because he hasn't had a chance to do a lot of that at UGA. Other thing is he's also apparently the best pass protector on the team by far, from what I understand. So. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure, if you're running 21 personnel, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of James Cook. I yeah. mean, it, he, he will absolutely be that second back. I mean, I just – you. in fact, I'm going to be a little – I'm going to be a little angry, actually, if we ever have, like, <laughs> Zamir White and Kendall Milton on the field at the, same, at the same time. time. Or, or, Zamir White and, or Zamir White and Kenny McIntosh. Um, so, yeah, if it, if he runs any 21 personnel, it's going to – we're going to see a lot more of James Cook. Um, but that would be a wrinkle. I mean, that mm-hmm. – that, that would be a wrinkle. That's not not really what you'd call pro style these days. Um, mm-hmm. But then with Jamie Newman at the quarterback, uh, you know, I, who don't know that we'll really be running what you'd call a pro style offense necessarily. Yeah. I mean, we're going to find out pretty fast. I think if you if you don't listen to our podcast on UJ's quarterback situation, uh, the comparison we gave you for Jamie Newman is Sam Ellinger. So whether that makes you feel good or bad, that's a very good approximation of what he's like. You'll probably hear Justin Fields light or Cam Newton, but uh, Newman is not a guy that is going to be a home run hitter running the ball. He is a first down machine. Like he's going to be good in the goal line. He's going to be good on short yardage. He's the kind of guy that's going to run 10 yards on the field, stiff arm of safety and step out of bounds. So that's his running style. And he is a punishing 230. He's built like a brick house. When he runs, he will he will truck a linebacker for a first down and then get down. So if he's not a significant part of the run game, we're doing something wrong. And I wouldn't be shocked to see some other option type stuff like zone read, power read, maybe even speed option. I don't know if that's something that they would incorporate, but I wouldn't be shocked to see some of that added to our game. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, they'll they'll use some of that. And um, again, that gets back to maybe some James Cook action. If they're doing mm-hmm. a lot of that, then they might run some 21 personnel. Yeah. Um, they, they just might. You can always do the old school zone option where you have split backs on the, behind the quarterback. One runs the inside zone. The other one comes behind the quarterback for the pitch on option. And again, I'm drawing in the dirt here, but I would love to see those kind of wrinkles out of their offense. So moving on to one of the other positions we talked about, which is tight end. And we got Trey McKitty, who is a grad transfer for Florida State. Wasn't a super productive receiver there. I don't know a ton about him other than he seems to be a decent athlete. He's got prototypical size. If he's coming to UGA, I assume he knows he's going to block some. (laughs) And then behind him, there's John Fitzpatrick, the redshirt sophomore. But we all know the X factor here is the freshman, Darnell Washington, who looks like a monster. Yes. Uh, I think he's, what, 6'6", 6'7", Leonard Pope-esque, runs well. I mean, he is essentially like a wide receiver in a tight end's body based on what I've seen. And uh, he ain't coming to Georgia to block. I'll put it that way. (laughs) He – as well as we have done in recruiting and as many, you know, touted uh, youngsters that we have brought in over the last few years, you know, I always try to temper my expectations for freshmen. Um, But legitimately, I I do think there is going to be some production expected, expected out of Darnell Washington. Obviously they're bringing in the grad transfer from Florida state McKitty um, because they need him. I mean, they just, they just wouldn't use that spot if they didn't have some plans for him. Uh, but I, I really do think they they want something out of Darnell Washington. I think um, it was interesting you said Leonard Pope uh, because of the size. I think that is a good that is a good comparison. What I've heard about his athleticism, 
I, I, may be, I may be shooting even a little bit higher and hoping that he's kind of a Randy McMichael type. Okay. Uh, for for Georgia one. fans who remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, just in, ter- just in terms of what he brings, I mean, especially as a pass catcher, um, and who knows how how he'll do with the blocking? As you said, that's a big deal. Yeah. But um, but I I've got high hopes for him, and I they want to use him this year. I really do think so. So he's one of the newcomers that we think could make a big impact. And at the receiver position, obviously, you know, your 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 WR1, and he is like I said, he's going to be a future first round draft pick. He is going to be an All SEC receiver at some point in his career, and that is George Pickens, who had a very, very good freshman year once he was able to go on the field. He is a hard worker. He's got a pro body. He's a good route runner. He's got good hands. I mean, he is a, a future productive NFL player. So you pencil him in there outside. There's a good chance either Demetrius Robertson or Matt Landers is your receiver on the other side. And boy, the talent between those two, I mean, I'm here sitting here shaking my head because I'm like, between those two, that's so much talent on that side of the ball, on that side of the field. It just I just don't know what to expect out of either of them because they're both so inconsistent. Matt Landers struggles with confidence and drops, and Demetrius Robertson just is so inconsistent. He, you know, he'll blow past the defensive back, catch a go route for a touchdown, and he'll drop a slant. I just they're the kind of kids that'll get you fired because they have so much talent and they can't ever seem to turn their talent into production. So right now, David, the three pick three starting receivers. For I have Georgia. to pick three. Okay. Like, you have to pick three. What are, what are your three. three projected starters? I want to see what you come up with here. Okay. I'm coming. I'm, go, I'm going with George Pickens, Demetrius Robertson, and if he's healthy, I'm going with Dominic Bailick in the slot. Okay. I agree with you. Those, those were the three that I picked right off the top. Like, yes, I think those are probably, for better or for worse, I'm mostly thinking of Robertson. I think those are probably the three starters. I, Blaylock has been cleared, by the way, okay. so we'll, we'll see. But he, he has been cleared. Okay, pick a fourth. So now, now go to like n- next guy up. Who is it? Based on what Scott's told me, and he's closer to the recruiting service than I am. I'm probably going with Jermaine Burton. Wow. Okay. Now, I I've heard a lot of good things about him as well, yeah. especially of the um the the four highly touted receivers yeah. that we brought in this year. Rosemary Smith, Burton, and Robinson. I've heard that Burton is probably the most ready. Check that. Let me let me walk that back. I'm going to walk that back. I'm going with Kiaris Jackson. Kiaris Jackson. Okay. Also, like, I got high hopes for him. Um, I mean, as a redshirt sophomore, I I would have liked to have seen more from him by now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but this is a time for him to shine. I got a name for you. Go ahead. Tommy Bush. See, okay. <laughs> hearing some things, hearing some things about Tommy Bush. Now, right, now when I say hearing things, I'm talking about workout things, all right? We're, we're not talking about game things. We're not even yeah, yet yeah, talking yeah. about practice things. We're talking about workout stuff, but just sort of like off-season buzz. Some people saying that he's finally healthy. He dealt yeah, with, that's a, a big thing with him. Um, some sort of really painful injury last year. I don't even remember what it was, um, but they're saying he's healthy and that Tommy Bush looks really good. I absolutely think he could take that spot that they wanted Matt Landers to have last year mm-hmm. that he just could never settle mm-hmm. into. Um, I just, just going to throw that out there. Little, little Tommy Bush might, might be happening this year. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know what, if he is good there, that's what you want. I mean, yes, you, I mean, you want these, these recruits to come in and play. And the truth of we're, the truth is we're going to play a lot of guys here. Jackson's going to play. I'd be shocked if Jermaine Burton doesn't get on the field a little bit. Um, Matt Landers is going to play. I mean, 
there's five or six that you know are going to play. Maybe even a little bit of Rock, Marcus Rosamy. I don't know about Arian Smith, but those are all guys that could also get on the field. Some talk that Arian Smith is like legitimately the fastest guy on the team. Is that, um, is that right? I've not heard that. Oh yeah. Oh no. He, he's a major, major uh, speed guy in high school, uh, you know, world-class sprinter as far as the high school guy goes. Um, now he's dealing with an injury, uh, two injuries actually he had a wrist surgery. And then recently, a, I think some sort of leg surgery um, they're, they're saying he'll be back, but some talk that, uh, that he, it's like him, Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes, like one of those guys yeah. is the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. That's, and Eric Stokes is a track guy. He's probably going to go to the combine around a 4-3. And yeah. Tyson Campbell has that kind of speed also. So yeah. that's that's pretty that's pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, totally unrelated, but sort of related. Did you hear that Nicole Hardman challenged uh, Tyreek Hill to a race last week? Oh, I, watch, I watched the video, my man. I, I watched the video. Is it true that he got dusted? He got dusted. I could not <laughs> – I, I sent the video to friends, and I'm like, keep in mind, the guy you're watching who lost the race is McCole Hardman. Hardman. It's unbelievable. That guy is so fast. So there's categories of fast and, you know, uh, there's guys that are fast and then there's guys that are woe fast. And so an example would be Todd Gurley was fast. Keith Marshall was woe fast. This is, this mm-hmm. is categories. So like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Miko Hardman is woe fast. Absolutely. And he got smoked. Smoked. <laughs> smoked i mean it just it it, it oh, wasn't man. even close i mean it i left that video and just started looking up other tyreek hill videos it was like a it was like a 20 minute youtube trip like show me other videos of tyreek hill running around other humans it's unbelievable so he's apparently ran some he's apparently ran somewhere around a 10-1 coming out of high school which is literally world-class speed so yeah yeah no i think um legitimately arian smith is i'm not saying tyreek hill but uh no, he's like he's woe fast for sure. Fast. Like that okay. guy, like is is if he's healthy, look for him if they put him on the field. Man, get him back to returning kicks. All right. Yep. So moving back, finishing up the line of scrimmage, our projected starters here. What did you have at left tackle? Is it Jamari Sawyer? Definitely. Okay. Uh guards two four seven had Justin Schaefer and Trey Hill at center. Ben Cleveland, who is that's you can probably pencil that one in. You can yep. probably write Ben Cleveland and Penn. I think I, I think all four of those. I think yeah. I think those four are are down probably. It's it's right tackle that that is in the air. That is the big one. So this and that's really the big question. So who do you have at right tackle? I've got trust right now. Okay, I, I've got I've got trust right now. I mean, listen, Broderick Jones. I mean, <clears throat> Broderick Jones. Everybody is like very excited yeah. about him for all kinds of reasons. And I would love for him to come in and uh, just be able to take that position. Uh, of course, the big thing right now is he has an injury. I don't know if you saw this. I think it I'm was not... like a scooter accident or something. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, okay. um, I, I'm not exactly sure that's what it was, but uh, some sort of leg injury. He was going to be out. I don't know. Now with the delay, I guess I don't actually know where he is in terms of health wise and being okay. ready for for a late September start, but I'm assuming with the injury and him being a freshman, mm-hmm. um, he's going to surprise me at this point. If he's like ready to start game one, I'm, I'm thinking it could be Xavier Truss. Okay. And Truss is a red shirt freshman. So he already has the advantage of having a year in the system, a year of weight training, nutrition, everything. And even though there will be adjustments in our scheme, I mean, j- all, pretty much all the options at right tackle are, are young guys. So, yep. Yep. Being a redshirt freshman instead of a true freshman does, I think, will give him an advantage. And yeah. the truth is, 
you've got at the other four spots, guys that have played a lot of football, mm-hmm. a lot of football. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons that you don't feel necessarily as bad about sliding in a freshman or a redshirt freshman, which is what it's going to be at right tackle. Because I mean, you have, I mean, Schaefer's a senior, Sawyer's a junior. He's played a ton of football. Trey Hill's a junior that started every game last year, I believe. And Ben Cleveland's played all over the field for the last four years. So you have to feel really good about that experience coming back. And this is a very talented offensive line again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A um, lot of bodies. They have, man, they're recruiting at offensive line. Uh, they have recruited really well in terms of talent and really well in terms of quantity. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys. So I think they're going to be able to make it work here. But there will be some young contributors, especially out there at that right tackle position. So what do you expect to see from this offense? Give me like a brief, like two-minute synopsis of what you expect to see from this offense. Yeah, I mean, so – what I expect to see is something totally new, right? I mean, that's, that's that's the quick summary. I don't know if I could say that it's going to be something we've never seen before at Georgia. Um, That could be the case. Um, But I mean, literally what we said earlier about who's back on the offense uh, in terms of starters, I mean, it's George Pickens and it's Trey Hill. And that is it. <laughs> Every, everybody My goodness, else. That's I mean, true, unless, isn't it? Unless I mean, you count Blaylock as a, as a returning starter, I don't know that you would. You kind of count Ben Cleveland because he's played so much, but. But wow. he was, he was kind of the, I mean, he was kind of the sixth offensive lineman mm-hmm. last year. Anyway, I mean, every other starting player, almost every other coach, obviously the coordinator, everything about this offense is going to be totally brand new. Um, wow. You go to the identity of the offense at quarterback where obviously Jamie Newman brings a lot to the table uh, that Jake Fromm did not, um, I, not only in terms of his running ability, which is obvious, but I think even just sort of his, uh, his propensity and willingness for the deep ball um, yeah. and, his aggre- and his aggressiveness in that regard. Um, I mean, it really could be totally different um, in a year when maybe, maybe the, the height of our talent offensively is at quarterback and dare I say receiver, maybe, um, you know, are we going to be less of the, you know, typical Georgia ground and pound? Um, and is Todd Munkin going to come in here and spread it out some and throw it around? Um, I mean, I hope it's balanced. I think it'll be balanced. I hope it's creative. Um, but you, you could certainly see a, a very different, you know, Georgia offensive identity than, than what we're used to in the past. And the big question is, is Kirby going to let his OC coach? Mm. Because I'll never forget uh, watching the Kentucky game last year where it's it's a downpour. I see Kirby pull his microphone up and say, throw the effing ball. You remember that? Yep, yep. yep. And, and it was, Kirby. yeah, it's like, is Kirby going to continue to try to be his hands-on with the offense to have it have the scheme run the way he wants and limit with guys like Sam Pittman and James Coley can do. Pittman, again, what I've said about him is I never thought we were very creative on offense. But we were always sound and we were very efficient. Yeah. I didn't think, I never felt like Pittman came up with anything that was super creative or super original, but we were solid. With Coley, like I said, I can't tell you how many gap scheme plays I saw last year. Mm. There, I mean, we literally took power and counter out of the playbook until Matt Luke shows up. Mm-hmm. In the bowl game, I'm watching us run counter, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, where is this bowl well, well, season? Who was that? <laughs> no, that's a pool. We haven't seen one of those all year. And so one of my things that I want to see is I want to see them incorporate more gap scheme into this offense. 
use those tight ends as blockers in line, like let them pull and kick, use those athletic guards to get up on linebackers. I want to see some variation in our run scheme. Yeah. And I think having a quarterback that runs ball four should do that. You're going to run Q power. You're going to run power read. You're, you have to with a running quarterback. You can't just run zone read. And I think you're going to see a lot more of the RPO game because the RPO. I, I agree. I agree. And that really, and the, you know, what everybody is reproducing now um, is LSU last year, which of course n- nobody is going to do, uh, but yeah. it's given everybody a lot of ideas. And I think one of the things like really underrated about Joe Burrow was his ability as a runner um, mm-hmm. and that, and that you did have to respect that. Uh, I think, I think there's going to be a little bit of LSU tape uh, looked at by Todd Monk in this off season. Um, and, and we could definitely see some of, some of the things we saw out of them last year. And when you watch like Georgia's scheme, like you go back and watch the, LS, the, the LSU game in the SC championship, there are multiple times where we run inside zone Jake Fromm pulls the ball, carries out his fake, and they do not even look at him. Oh, no, no. Like, if he pulls the ball, he's going to, even as slow as he is, get six yards. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there was some of that built into the offense, but two things. A, you didn't have a backup quarterback, so if Jake Fromm gets smoked, you're playing Stetson Bennett. Yep. And B, Fromm's not really a th- – I mean, you know, Fromm might get a first down here and there, but that's not really his game. Right. But one of the reasons that you can also – justify running your quarterback more this year is that you have a Mathis back and you have JT Daniels on the bench. So, I mean, not saying that you wish for Jamie Newman to get hurt, but if he does, you have two options that weren't there last year. Oh yeah. I hate to be that way, but like you don't run your quarterback when you don't have a good backup. Yep. No, I mean, a a lot of depth at quarterback this year that, that we didn't have last year. And I mean, (laughs) obviously some new faces that, that we're yeah. not used to seeing and don't know exactly what we're getting out of them um, between transfers and freshmen. But um, no, that, that's absolutely a factor in what they're going to do with Jamie Newman. I think my overall expectation would be, I definitely think we'll be back into it more of the 35 to 38 point per game hmm. uh, realm, which is about, which was where we were all through the time that Mike Bobo was the OC, which, you know, it's another whole other story right there. I think that we will be a run heavy offense, but I think it'll be, as we both said, a different type of run-heavy offense. Yeah, It won't be turning around and handing the ball in inside zone 20 times a game. It'll be some Q run, uh, maybe even some screen game with James Cook or some jet sweeps with him. I just think it's going to be a lot more diverse in our run game, and I would like to see us push the ball down the field. That is one of the things that Jamie Newman does. He has a strong arm. He pushes the ball down the field. Yep. The big question for him has always been how he's going to do against good competition. If you go back and listen to the podcast I did on UJ's quarterback situation, I broke down his last few games against ranked teams, and it's ugly. It's very ugly. Yeah, yeah. But he's also playing on an offense that probably had one NFL player on it, where this one probably has six or seven. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a huge gap in talent for what he had there. So overall, would you say you expect moderate offensive improvement, significant offensive improvement, or roughly the same type of offensive production as last year? Ooh, definitely not the same type uh, in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I mean, I'm expecting moderate offensive improvement. I, I, I guess is what I would say to to try and be wise about it. Yeah, I would say I expect moderate offense improvement, improvement as far as production, like points and yards. But I would say that I expect a huge jump in efficiency. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and and a lot. I mean, a very different style. I think. Yeah. So that's part one of our UJ football preview. 
We'll be back next week with part two, which will include our overview of the defense and our predictions for the season. This is the Title Run Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Bethay. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.